0: Glory to God, just welcome you to Boomerang, welcome anybody who's watching, and uh, um, I hear where there's a game going on today, is that true? Is there some game, like a a large one or something? (laughs) You know, I I really, really like uh, Peyton Manning, I like Peyton Manning, and uh, just not today. (laughs) Just not today, and I think Cam called him a sheriff. And uh, that's good, but we got a Superman. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> <laughs> I had my Panthers colors, huh? Oh, uh, you better watch it. <laughs> so, anyway, but let's just lift up the uh, Super Bowl today. Not for the, not for the Panthers, although I'm sure there'll be plenty of people doing that. But Lord, right now, we just ask. Let this Super Bowl be one where your glory is produced. Lord, let there be things that happen in it that testifies about you, that testifies about Jesus. Lord, thank you. Lord, there's a lot of people that'll be watching. Father, we just ask that the name of Christ would be lifted up. We just ask that That your glory would be poured out. And we just thank you for it. Use this, Lord. You know, as the church who is your authority on this earth through Jesus Christ, we just agree, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And let your name be lifted high today in ways uh, that the enemy cannot even foresee. But Lord, we just say, let those things be done. And we praise you for it. And we thank you for it, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. amen. So, um, you know, one uh, I think you were telling me a prophecy by Bob Jones. Um, Bob Jones, he's passed away now, but um, he was like legitimate, you know, prophet. Like, uh, saw a lot of things that were going to come to pass. And one of the things that he said, he said that this was in 1993, I think. So the Panthers were formed in 1995, and she just told me about this this week. So in 1993, before they knew all that, he he said, There's a Panther uh, coming to the wood yard, and, uh, huh? The lumber yard, yeah. There's a Panther coming to the lumber yard, and he said, um, And out of that will come a great revival in the area, which is very interesting. And uh what's really interesting about that to me is uh, the Lord was speaking to me when the Panthers went to the Super Bowl the last time in two thousand and three. Uh, the Lord was speaking to me uh, about that because what I noticed was that the whole attitude of the area rose. Um, people were buying more stuff, you know just their their attitude was optimistic, and it was it was very interesting to watch. From a spiritual perspective, those things don't just happen. There's something generally behind the scenes that's going on. And so I didn't know about that prophecy. So when you told me about that, um, so I don't know what that is. Anyway, so what happened was the Panthers then were formed in two years later. And uh, my understanding is where the stadium is uh, was a lumberyard. And uh, that's where they moved into. And uh, I believe that what we're seeing right now is the beginnings of a revival in this area and a lifting up of that. And they play a part in that. Well, how do God would use a football team? Uh, yeah, he'll use anything, you know. Yeah. And and here's the thing. um, you know, I think that the Lord is, there. there's something different in the air. I, I read somebody last night, they're like, I feel like it's Christmas, Christmas Eve night. I, like I'm going to bed and Christmas is tomorrow because of the game. And they were excited. They were big Panthers fans. I was like, I know what you mean. But it's more than just a game. It's more than there's something going on. There's something in the spirit that's going on. And uh, so we need to be ex- in expectation and praying over those things. And so... Anyway, just wanted to share that with you. But um, Leia like said, "I really do like Peyton," and uh, but not today. I'm sorry. And uh, I, th- nope, sorry. <laughs> and anybody who doesn't like that, I have I have a new toy. So to we keep you. Know, it's padded, so it won't hurt for long. All right. So amen. So watch it. I know where I know what you're thinking. <laughs> so let's uh, turn to Colossians chapter three. And verse 23, and uh, I love my boomerang, and that it's blue. It's boomerang blue. So we've been talking about who, what, when, where, why, and how. And uh, we started, you know, some weeks ago now, and we started with why, and uh, then we talked about um, what who and what, and today is where and when, and then we're going to talk about how, but it's been a few weeks since we had the last one, so I wanted to kind of refresh and go over it, because I did the last one, the Lord had already told me another message that I preached last week on Be Bold, and then in the middle of all that we had the ice where we didn't have a service because the parking lot was a sheet of ice, and um, so it's been a few weeks since we've been in this series, and I just want to go over this again You know, who, what, when, where, why, and how. Because a lot of times what happens is we continue coming to church, coming to church, coming to church. And we just kind of get used to coming and being here and and just kind of going through the motions. But we kind of forget the practical ideas and thinking and and reality of what are we doing. You know, it's kind of like that. Jesus is resurrected. Oh, praise God. All, All right, good. What's he resurrected? You know, in this period of time, what's that resurrection supposed to do? Well, it's supposed to set you free so that you can set other people free. So for us to just praise in that song, but then just leave it right here on the table and then go home and do nothing with the resurrection life that's coming up inside of you, that's a wrong way of thinking. You are taking a very big gift and, and uh, ability and potential of God and bearing it, and that's not a good servant. That's a bad servant. We want to make sure that we are proper properly esteeming everything that God has done. So in this series, we're looking at how do we properly esteem some things, like the why. We, you know, we talked about the why the very first week, and, it, and we talked about how you know, a lot of people, and this is the one that keeps coming back to me, we talked about it that day, uh, was uh, a Deb actually said to me, she said, uh, we were talking to the leadership team, I said, why do we do what we do? What's our why? Because that's what's going to drive us. And she said, because, excuse me, because I want these kids, talking about children's ministry, to know the things that I didn't know. So that they will not have to go through the problems that I went through. And that's a great answer, generally speaking. And and the Holy Spirit immediately, you know, and it was really correcting all of us, not just her. It was correcting all of our hearts. And the Holy Spirit brought up and said, but that should not be our why. Because that one time where, you know, your boss has made you mad, that why is not stronger than your emotions in that moment. In other words, in that moment for that, you know, period of 30 minutes or an hour that you may be upset and thinking about work, That why kind of goes, is pushed to the side. And so all of a sudden, that why is not big enough. As good as it sounds, it's not big enough. You got to have a why that will drive you even when your emotion is high or low. You got to have a why that drives you no matter what. And here's the other side of it. With that why, uh, if your why is just, it's based on you, you want them to have something you don't have, right, that you didn't have, and help them. But those kids, they won't know that same why, and your why is not going to motivate them. Not in that way. But when our why becomes, I love God because he loved me. And that is our why. Now you're talking about an unlimited power. The love of God for God coursing through your veins and that's a why that we can pass on and in the middle of being upset at your boss or having life circumstances at you that why will give you life and motivate you and help you do the right things in every situation and it's a why that we can pass on that will help everybody else as well so this is we need to make sure that we understand that our why is i love god that should be the answer to every question. Why did you do this? I love God. That should motivate when we get up, when we go to bed, what we watch, what we say, what we think, what we do. That should motivate it all. Lord, I love you. This is why I do this. Even our rest, even our rest saying, hey, uh, Lord, I want to make sure that I you know, take my rest because my job is not to burn myself out. My job is to be well prepared. So even rest, the why is, Lord, I love you, so that I can do everything to the fullness. Then we talked about who. Well, and the answer to that was the why is we love God. The who was everyone. Who are we taking this to? Everyone, the people we know and the people we don't know. Many times, you know, the only people that we really talk to about Jesus are the ones that we're comfortable with. But the who is not meant to be just the people we're comfortable with. The who is meant to be everyone. The what we're called to be. See, when we get our why right, all these things fall into place because if our why is right, even if the who is somebody we don't like. Mm, right? Right? we will still do what we need to do because the why is correct. And the what, you know, a lot of times we have all these ideas of what we should be doing, but they don't really line up with Scripture. But when our why is right, all of a sudden our what, our who, our where, when, and how, all those things line up correctly. Our what is, we're to be an ambassador of God. And we talked about what is that ambassador. We're we're to win souls. We're to make disciples, move in the power and the love of God. This is being an ambassador. But you you can't just say, well, I want to be an ambassador, but not have your why right and expect that that's going to have power to carry you on and to see you to the end of this life. The only thing that's going to motivate you and empower you to go all the way to the end is, Lord, I love you. I love you. You know, when tr- people treat you bad and they talk bad about you and they lie about you and they're just getting on your nerves, when you're wise right, you can still handle that correctly. When the devil's attacking you and, and nothing's going right and, and my family's under attack and I'm under attack and you're wise right, you can make it through it and see the triumph of God. It's so very important for us to understand that. And this is why. Most of us have failed in the past is because our why has not been the love of God. Our why has been I want comfort. Our why has been I want to make more money. Our why has been I really want an awesome looking spouse who's fun, you know. And our why's been everything but Lord, I love you. When we go to church and we kind of go under the 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 guise of we kind of we kind of go under you know that that feel of, well, because I go to church, I have the right motivations at heart. No, not necessarily. Matter of fact, most don't. Most don't understand the why. They don't understand that it's the love of God that really empowers. So this is, that's why we covered the why first. Even in the who, what, when, where, why, and how it came towards the end, we covered it first because that's the key. That's the key today is the where and the when so the the question is where are you to be an ambassador this verse right here says colossians 323 what it whatever you do do it heartily as for the lord rather than for men so our why is the love of god and we're supposed to let that why out in whatever you do well if is whatever you do, is that like all-encompassing? Yes. And, and where then does whatever happen? Everywhere. Wherever you're at. So the where is everywhere. It's not just certain places. You shouldn't just release a word of God just for people in, when you're in church. You shouldn't just you know, uh, release a witness about God. And a witness is not just talking to people about Jesus. A witness is also going, hey, you know, let me forgive that person. You know, when you're in the parking lot and you're waiting on the space, click. And you've been waiting for two minutes, three minutes. And, and they had their, you know, their backup lights on for three minutes. Okay. And then all of a sudden... They back up. They back up right into your way, and they're coming past you, and somebody pulls in right then behind them and goes into your space that you've been waiting on. (laughs) Thank you. You like that? (laughs) This is when you need your why. This is when the witness for Christ, because you got a boomerang sticker on the back of your car. (laughs) You better... (laughs) Not be telling them they're number one. You understand? <laughs> you're number one. Love you. Praying for you. You know, don't, don't do that. This is when you need your witness. Your witness is not always telling them about Jesus. Sometimes it's just how you're responding. Because people are watching you. Whether you think it or realize it or not. People are watching you. Always. More than when you know. When they see the devil attack you and you go, Oh, what am I going to (laughs) do? You know, y'all have never done that, I'm sure. But when you respond that way, people are going, My goodness, why would I want their Jesus? They might not say that directly in their head, they might not say it with their mouth. But eventually, the devil is going to say that to them. Why would you want their Jesus? But when you are attacked, you know, because the devil's going to do it. It's who he is. It's what he does. It's not something to fear over. Once you know that you have victory in Christ, you have a resurrected life that's bringing resurrection life to you this power of God, you start to understand that God's always leading me to triumph. All of a sudden, you get attacked, and people look at you, and you go, it's going to be okay. It's going to work out. It's going to be good. God's going to come through. You sit back and watch. And at first, this is what the world's going to say. They're going to be like, whatever. You're an idiot, right? (laughs) You've lost your mind. Until it happens. And then they're going to sit back and go. Hmm. Hmm. And the Holy Spirit's going to go. They said it would be like this. Wouldn't you rather have joy. In the midst of your tribulation. Than to have the fear that you've had. The Holy Spirit will start to witness to them. Why? Because wherever you're at. Wherever you're at. Jesus can. Speak and bring life to that situation. Wherever you're at. This is the hope that we need to put on. This is the joy. This is when our why is right. Let's turn to Acts 9. And verse 1. And here we have Saul who was breathing, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And he went to the high priest, and then in verse 3, just go. He went to the high priest as he was traveling. In verse 3, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. I'm Jesus. Now, Jesus was already dead, arose, and then ascended to heaven. But who was Saul physically putting his hands on? The Christians, the believers. That's who he was persecuting. But Jesus took it personally. Jesus said, you're attacking me. In other words, the where we saw in the verse already, it's everywhere. But here's some specific stuff. Hey, Wesley. Here's some specific stuff. He said, where is the church? Where is, hey, this is where. Where? You show the why. This is where you're an ambassador. In the church. This Every time. Hey, you need to be an ambassador there. You know what? You're going to go into church. You're going to go into things sometimes. And sometimes people are not going to treat you right in the church. But your why has to be bigger than that. Your being an ambassador has to be bigger than that. Look here at uh, 1 Timothy 5 8. It says this, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Then uh, 1 Timothy 3. Verse 4 and 5 says, He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? So it starts in our home. It starts really in this home, this body, this individual, you. It starts there. That our why and being an ambassador of God really starts here. You know, there's a, a, the verse that says, you know, a lot of people, what they want to do is they, they have their issues, they know about their issues, but what they want to do to make themselves feel better is they want to go fix everybody else and, and bury their bad stuff. Let me go fix somebody else that will make me feel better about myself. And it's not bad that they're helping other people, but what's bad is that they're not dealing with themselves first. And the word very clearly says that you need to get the log out of your eye before you try to get the speck out of somebody else's eye. In other words, the where is it it's everywhere that there's no place you're gonna go that you're not supposed to be an ambassador of God, but it starts at the home. It starts at in you. Individually, rolls into your house, into your family, rolls into your spiritual family at the church, and it rolls then into everywhere. The where is, you should be putting on the love of God everywhere. Everywhere. At home, church, your areas of influence, work, play, shopping. And listen to this, whether or not you're in your comfort zone or not. Doesn't matter. You know I, know, I know lots of times that the Lord is moving through y'all and giving you words and, and, and asking you to serve and ask, asking you to work. And, but we're, we'll get to the place where our fear will kind of back us down. We'll be like, I don't know if I can do that. You know, when we started this church, you know, I never pastored before. And had I gone, I don't know if I can do that. I've never done that before. I'd have never done it. How could you actually get experience without stepping out into something that you haven't done before? So we've got to allow our why to become bigger than our fear. We've got to allow the why in places to become bigger than our comfort zones or our non-comfort zones. We've got to allow that why to start to motivate us into areas that we're not comfortable with. And what you'll find is you'll become more and more and more comfortable. You'll become more and more and more uh, skilled. More and more gifted in those areas. But you won't if you never take a step into it. And if you never know where you're supposed to do that, You'll, you'll always say, well, I don't know if it's here. And that'll be the button that the devil pushes to get you to stop, to put the clamps on the work of God. That'll be the button that will take that resurrection power that we sang and praise God about, but it'll be the button that stops you from ever doing anything with it because I don't know where it is. Well, now let's look at the wind. Psalms 127, you know, what's interesting about this series is it is not complicated. It's not complicated. Not at all. But it'll set you free to be who God's called you to be. It's not a complicated series. When? Psalms 127, verse 1 and 2, it says, Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It's vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. In other words, what he's saying is, you know, you got a guy marching and, and on, you know, watching the city. Boom, 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 right? He's watching the city. But he says this, unless the Lord watches... This guy's this guy in vain. He's in vanity. He's in pride. In other words, the Lord's got to be there with you. Let me put it like this. Unless you've got your why right in everything that you do, you're in vanity. Unless you're allowing the love of God to drive you and be with you, my love for God in everything that I do. See, you can take worry about your kids. You can worry about your kids. Well, I don't know, you know, if they're going to make it through this dr- driving experience. I don't know uh, how this sickness is going to affect them. I don't know if they're going to, you know, marry the right. Uh, person or not you can you can take worry about that and you can think that you worrying about that's helping them but it's vanity why because you're not allowing the love of God to be the love of God in your mind and you're watching a city in vain so, the win is not just when you're comfortable. The win is everywhere. Matter of fact, in those verses, it even says, even in your sleep, God needs to be there with you. This is the context of what it's saying. Even in your sleep, the why needs to be there. Even in your sleep, He's giving to you. A lot of times, the world will teach you, oh, man, I hope I sleep good tonight. And what we're doing is we're throwing away the whole promise of God. We're throwing away who he said. We ought to go as believers with that verse. We ought to be like, now I lay me down to sleep. God's going to bless me in Jesus' name. I receive it. Praise God. <laughs> you know, And be out. This is how we ought to sleep. But a lot of times, because we've carried stuff with us in vain and not allowed God to be God, all of a sudden what happens is we're not sleeping good. You know, we're telling everybody about, man, I didn't sleep good last night and all this. You know, and here's the thing. Let God be God when, even when you sleep. Much more when you're awake, you know, everywhere we go. The when is always now, anytime. time. Mark 11, 12 through 14 says, On the next day, this is, you know, this is some faith scriptures here, and it says, On the next day, when they had left Bethany, he became hungry. Seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, and listen to this, for it was not the season for figs. He said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples are listening. Now we all know that they came back by the next day and the disciples were like, what? They remembered what he said because the fig tree had withered at the root. It had withered at the root. What was, what was happening there? Man, what Jesus said, he said in faith. He used the God kind of faith and it happened just like that. But what's really interesting is why did he tell that fig tree to never have figs again when it wasn't even the season for figs? I mean, wasn't the, wasn't the fig tree just being doing what, the, you know, doing what it was designed to do, not have figs when it wasn't a season? I think the greater point in that is, I, I heard David Hogan say this one time. When the king comes walking by and puts a demand for fruit, it's time for us to have fruit, whether it's the season or not. That, that tells me that I can, you know, be not quite as skilled as maybe I should be. But if my why is right and my what is right to be an ambassador... And I'm in the right where. And I'm dealing with the right who, the right person. In other words, at any place where I love God, I'm in front of the people that He loves, the who. I have a calling to be the ambassador. And I'm in a where. I'm in that place. Which is everywhere. And I'm in a time. Now, the Lord is going to be telling me, I can produce fruit. You're in front of the person I want you to be in front of. Now, can you produce fruit right now? And whether I feel up to the task or not, I can step out in God and say, Lord, here I am, send me, I'll produce fruit for you. I'm willing. You know, the, the word says this, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro over the whole earth. And what is he looking for? He's looking for somebody whose heart is right so that he can show himself strong in them. It didn't say he was looking for the most skilled person. It's not what it said. He didn't say that he was looking for the most gifted and the most anointed. He's looking for the one whose heart is right towards him, who recognizes the who, what, when, where, why, and how, and says, Lord, send me, use me. If you can use me, use me. And he says, I don't care if it's seasoned for me or not. I am yours. Uh, Brother Copeland says this, I'm, I'm yours to command. I'm, I'm here. This, see, this is what it was, I, I think it's uh, Isaiah 6, uh, where he says, uh, here, here am I, Lord, send me. Here am I, send me. That's the heart that God's looking for. But see, if our why is not right, then we will forget all about the who, what, where, and when. So we've got to make sure the why is right. Learn that the who, what, where, and when is all the time with everybody. Comfort zone or not, it's everywhere. It's everyone. And right then is where he wants me to be his ambassador, whether it's the season or not. So the when is, when shouldn't we be an ambassador? Any any Anytime. Who, what, when, and where? The answer is whatever the Holy Spirit directs. In other words, as I'm going through life, this is my heart. This is what the why drives me to. I keep my ears open, just ready to be directed by God. And if he says, hey, that's the who... Or that's the wind, or that's the what, or that's the where. I'm just waiting on the command. I'm just waiting on the leading of the Holy Spirit, ready to change my course at any second. I'm on a course. I'm living. I'm walking through life at the last direction that He gave me. But if at any moment He's redirecting me to go around an obstacle or meet somebody right where they need met, I got my ears open and ready to hear from Him and then be obedient. And I'm not scared of it. I'm not holding back why because my why is right my love for God is what motivates me not the place that I'm at not who I'm talking to that doesn't motivate me one way or the other what motivates me is Lord I love you and I'm here for a purpose sometimes those things are just simple choices that we make when nobody else is around when nobody's, nobody's there but us and God. That's the where to. That's the what. Who, what, when, and where. Whatever the Holy Spirit directs. As an all-in people, we stand at the ready to hear from Jesus and bear fruit in any season. Good or bad. We stand at the ready to bear fruit. Why? because we love them, because we love them.